Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. This is your host, Angela O'Mara. Today we're speaking with cosmetic dentist Dr. Lawrence Rifkin, who practices in Beverly Hills, California. Dr. Rifkin has been in practice for many years and like many physicians and dentists and, and business owners around the globe right now, we're all experiencing some very different times. And so Dr. Rifkin is here today to give us an update on just kind of what's happening in his practice, um, how patients can interact and be reintroduced into the practice um, as, as they begin to open in the not too far distant future, and as well as how cosmetic dentists and plastic and cosmetic surgeons work together in harmony to really help bring full balance to a beautiful face for patients. Dr. Rifkin, welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. I'm so happy to have you back on the show. Angela, thank you so much for inviting me back again. It's always a pleasure. It's always a, a great uh, experience to be able to share with you and your audience uh, what we are doing in dentistry, what I'm doing specifically, and uh, get an opportunity to uh, have you stimulate questions with your audience that are uh, on, the, on the forefront of curiosity as we get through this current time and, and on into the future. So it's a, it's a pleasure to be with you once again. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. The pleasure's mine. Well, let me just ask you a question here because obviously, sure. you know, we, we've all had some, some downtime and, um, and mm-hmm. many people are doing many different things. And so, you know, I'd love to hear from you. What are the changes to your office that you are currently making and how will patients experience dentistry of the future, you know, post or even with COVID-19? Yes, yes, it is. A, it's a, it's a, a very important question because I get lots of, since I've been doing virtual consultations and I get emails and, and questions for patients as we've had to reschedule uh, many of our patients a, a, month and a, a month and a half ago since this quarantine edict, uh, they want to know when they can come back in. They want to know when they can get their teeth cleaned. They want to know, uh, they are actually, are actually not even asking about safety questions, which is on the forefo- uh, foremost uh, forefront of our thoughts as dentists and, and our staff. We always want to treat our patients safely. We always have. As a matter of fact, dentistry probably is a, a shining example of our uh, continued uh, tendence towards sterilization sanitation. You know, many of the diseases well before coronavirus came along, there was, you know, there's always hepatitis, there's HIV, there's HPV, influenza, and on and on and on. So we know we are intimate with the patient's mouth, their saliva, aerosols, etc. So we've always had universal precautions in how we, we treat the patients, how we sterilize the rooms, our, our instruments are sterilized, autoclaved, and many, many disposable items. So that won't change. But what we're trying to do is we have this downtime is to enhance this highly, more highly contagious uh, virus of the coronavirus of how we actually even introduce the patients into the office. And so not only are there protocols that I am changing and other doctors are changing, uh, but also in office design and patient flow, how they come into the office, how they are seated, how they are screened initially and then how we are treating them and, of course, how they're, they're being dismissed and, and, and giving them the sense of uh, security and safety that, of course, we want for all our patients, we always have, and for ourselves. You know, uh, dentists, dental hygienists, we have, we are at the, the higher risk level of contracting diseases and, and oddly enough and happily, 
we have not had in the dental profession much transmission of uh, diseases to ourselves that we even know of. There's never really been a higher incidence. As a matter of fact, there's probably be less incidence because we are more cautious and we take more care in how we, we sterilize things and get patients in here. But, you know, of course, we're doing physical remodeling. And so I, right now, at this very moment, for the last month and probably for another month, we are building a state-of-the-art uh, laboratory in-house because there will be less transport of dental materials, of impressions, and we're actually moving towards the, the digital aspect of scanning rather than impressions so that we don't have saliva-coated models, which we still sterilize right now, so it's never been a problem up to date. Uh, as soon as digital design becomes more uh, precise and more accurate and more aesthetic, we will be moving more into that. We're kind of halfway there, but we still believe in having the, uh, the time-proven craftsmanship, personal handmade craftsmanship for optimal fit of our restorations and also for the aesthetics. So we want beauty, we want fit, we want health, and we want safety. So we're building a state-of-the-art laboratory right now in our office, not on the, in the building or across the street, to make sure that there's less transport, there's immediate response, immediate care uh, for the lab. Now, the reception area, Angela, <coughs> we are... Of course, uh, reducing the number of patients that enter the office at any one time. So physically, there's a much more comfortable seating. There's an educational or beverage center. There is uh, more spacing, so they're, we're further apart at this time. And of course, when a patient will enter my office, they'll experience a very personal concierge greeting by a concierge receptionist that will, in this moment, as things are maximally uh, uh, being screening patients for their temperature, uh, the ADA, the American Dental Association, and groups are pushing strongly to have patients be able to have testing in the dental office for the fryers. We're now also looking for a saliva test, which is very, very easy. It doesn't require a swab. Of course, the swabs are still the standard to see if uh, patients are, are contagious or shedding, uh, even if they're asymptomatic. So we want to make sure that they're safe, that our other patients are safe, and that we're safe, and we're pushing towards in dentistry towards having that in the office, in the dental office as you enter, taking the temperature, hand sanitizers, and getting them to a point where they're very comfortable. Sometimes we'll even have shoe covers. Um, you'll see that the dental staff, including myself, not only will be wearing our normal scrubs, but we'll be having disposable gowns. We'll probably have little bonnets that cover our hair, uh, face masks, and shields because we want to protect ourselves as well. Uh, I'm sure one day when the vaccines are in place, we can maybe reduce down a lot of the what we call the PPE or the personal protective equipment. And when they're seated, they'll have an enhanced oral hygiene um, protocol, which, you know, I mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, a prior show of how we can reduce the bacteria in the mouth, which is so important not only in the dental office, but every day at home. So, so these are some of the physical changes. Uh, the treatment rooms, if you don't mind me just running on here, uh, we're looking at uh, UV light, sterilize the rooms with... Uh, UV light once we know that it's effective and, and, and safe. Otherwise, it's, it's really not even been a problem to date anyway because we do all the wipes, the hand sanitation, though all the counter surfaces and everywhere in the room is wiped down. Anything near contact with the patient ourselves is always either disposable, wiped down with disinfectant, sterilized, or thrown away. Um, I use a, as you know, um, I use a dental operating microscope. And with the TV monitors, the microscope not only provides me 
with greater visibility, magnification, and precision to do my dentistry, but also moves me a little further away from the patient as well as my assistant, so we don't have to be bent over, leaning with putting our heads into the patient's mouth. I can see even better with my dental microscope, and that will be also displayed on a big TV monitor. Um, that's a, a good rundown of the patient's experience and how they can come into the office, uh, feel safe, feel comfortable, feel like there's personal service. We'll be probably having fewer appointments per day and longer appointments per patient, so the patient will never feel like they're being squeezed in or rushed. We, we never want that anyway because I can't perform precision cosmetic dentistry in that fashion where people are rushed. I, it takes the time that, I, that it takes to do the job well. And with the enhanced uh, sanitation and response to viruses and safety, uh, the patient will receive even more time, more patience, more, more ability to uh, question and, and uh, never, never, ever feel rushed. They'll feel like even more personal attention than they ever have before. Um, that's, a, that's a rundown of the patient's experience and the physical uh, changes in, in every part of the office, the laboratory, the reception area, the treatment rooms, and how we take care of our patients so that they feel safe, they uh, know that we're on top of everything. And, and this is a really good time, Angela, for me and all my dental colleagues to, uh, to put these protocols and enhanced treatment protocols in place. So, you know, I do feel because you know you <clears throat> you mentioned in the on a past interview, like you said, you know that were really the oral hygiene and and oral hygiene during COVID and and many of the things that you mm -hmm. mentioned, as you say, you have always you've always done in your practice anyway. And so, you know, with increased times and changes now, um, and your patients have adapted to you uh, over, you know, all the, all the dentists or the protocols with, I know how you have a patient brush teeth and floss and everything, even before you treat them in the practice, which is just, right. you know, something that your patients do very willingly. And um, so, you know, I, I, I would be assumptive in that patients will be okay coming in, you know, putting beauties on and shoe coverings and, and, you know, and then really being, you know, I get it. It's going to be a change for everybody, I suppose, because we're all so used to just going in, being friendly, hugging each other, saying hi, you know, right. um, I that. next to somebody <laughs> and chatting about treatments, and, and that will change. Um, are you, how are your staff? You know, are they are they prepared for those types of changes too? Well, I, I guess we all have to be. We've We've had to adjust in this last, what, month and a half, five, six weeks of, of quarantine and safety. Uh, you know, I have gone down to the office uh, a couple of times for true emergencies and urgent uh, care for patients. And it's interesting and kind of, uh, it's, it's mixed. Uh, patients are actually happy to come into the office, know that we're open. They come in already prepared with either gloves, masks, or sanitizer. Uh, they they have adjusted as as patients coming into a facility or anywhere else, probably the grocery store as well. But mm -hmm. I do this, and my staff are usual more friendly, you know, uh, handshake or fist bump or 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 a hug on occasion when it's appropriate. Uh, yeah, we miss that that those days of uh, more relaxed, more friendly, more uh, warm greetings. But you know, through this and. 
I'm hoping, and I think we all are, that one day, whether it's uh, six months or a year and a half from now, God willing, it will be much sooner that vaccines will eliminate that that concern. We'll always have the concern for sanitization. But yes, I do. I do miss it. My staff does miss it. But we're all prepared for. We we meet. We have Zoom meetings. We have physical meetings in the office at distance safely. And we are getting through the, the brainstorming and redesigning and new protocols and workflow of patients coming in and out. But, uh, yeah, uh, and I'm glad you did bring up, again, that enhanced oral hygiene because, you know, we are in dentistry, I think we've underestimated at least the, the general feeling, at least in the public side, that general dentistry only works on the mouth. And, you know, we are the tip of the sword. We are the, the, the protectors of the greatest portal of entry of bacteria and viruses into our body, which is the mouth. And uh, that's why I came up with a uh, month and a half ago how we can even add on to our our usual flossing and brushing and mouthwash and how to do it and what sequence to do it and when to do it and why it's important. So I'm I'm really glad you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, (laughs) I find it, you know, I think that the – we are entering a, I feel it's like a, just a new a new era, a period, not just in dentistry, but in our lives. And, and you know, I think we have to embrace it with open arms and, and move into this new new future. And, you know, with such global travel, glo- a glo- the global world we live in, um, you know, I think upgrading and, and developing better hygiene, you know, on top of what we already have can can only save all of us in in the future from from such a you know devastating pandemic that we've been experiencing. Yeah, isn't it? It's a, it's an eye opener, and I hope that we learn many lessons, many lessons of not only how to stay healthy but to prevent disease. I think that I've been also I've been also writing and have some other had other radio uh, talks. And I'll have another one today, but uh, we're really learning about protecting your immune system. We really need to move into prevention because if we had a stronger immune system, perhaps a lot of the people that had been exposed wouldn't get sick or those that have been sick would have been much less ill. And we've had fewer mortalities if our immune systems were built up. So a general health recommendation of reducing all of those factors that affect our general health, you know, the obvious smoking, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, obesity, preventing diabetes when possible, uh, getting exercise, fresh air, and better nutrition and sleep. All of those things are so important because if you can't depend upon a vaccine to come along immediately or a drug to protect you from a disease, you better count upon uh, your own body's immune system. So I'm really getting into the foundational health as I always have, but more on a systemic level, as you know. I mean, you know... I'm, I'm known for somewhat cosmetics because I sculpt and I love art and the beauty of dentistry, but I'm also highly concerned foundationally for my patients' well-being and their health overall. And that's why brushing, flossing, mouthwash, and uh, these other services that I can educate my patients uh, on will help not only their oral health, but their systemic health, health as well. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm sitting here with my fresh-squeezed orange juice, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hoping to boost my immune system, which I, I, I think I've been quite good at doing so far. But I would love to have you, as perhaps in the future, you know, we can do a show on on the immune system and healthy ways that you can uh, keep yourself strong and, and fighting fit. That will be a great show. 
That that would be a great show because, you know, as a dentist, I have a lot of foundational medical and biological training and anatomy, biology, histology, and all the things that physicians get. But then we, we do focus on our specific specialty. But I'm re... Uh, I'm recircling my 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 basic knowledge in biology and histology and immunology, pharmacology, all the things that that we learned in dental school and college, and understanding even greater how dentistry can have a, an even greater impact on your general health. Even, you know, looking online, having all of this time, I'm I'm studying like a like a, I was back in dental school again on on mm-hmm. immunology. You know why? Why, Angela? Do we should we be drinking more water? You know, I said, well, it's obvious. Water is good for you. It's, it's, you know, it dehydrates you. What What does that really mean? Uh, as we look at it, and I've got a lot of videos that I, that I'm going to be showing on my website that water increases not only hydrates but increases the ability for your lymphocytes, your white blood cells, to attack antigens or excuse me, uh, bacteria, viruses that enter our bloodstream. If you have thick, sluggish blood because you're not hydrating, you're not having enough blood volume and uh, your blood is too thick, these little what we call lymphocytes that go around like little Pac-Men eating up bacteria and viruses, they can't get through all the red blood cells. And so they can't do their job as, let's say, the first responders in killing the viruses that are attacking our bodies. So that's why just drinking water is such a benefit. There are so many obvious and and maybe subtle things that we can do to build our immune system and help us respond to diseases where we can't always depend upon current medical science that might be behind the curve because viruses can mutate so fast. So, you know, there's going to be another virus after coronavirus. It's the history of the world. It's the history of, 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 of organisms. So we need to build our immune systems. I'm glad you brought that up. I'd love to do another show on that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, before we, we, we you know, take too much time on the immune system, because I think that's a great concept for a, for a whole of the show, let's just kind of get back to our basics. You know, I, and, you know, as you mentioned, sure. you're really doing right now a lot of work to, you know, to, you know, make the, that your practice even safer than it already has been for patients to, you know, bring in the state of the art, you know, um, you know, center where you, you know, you know, the lab where, you, you know, now you don't even need to be sending impressions out in the way, you know, many dentists do. And so you'll have, you know, much more, you know, less transportation and different things. But, you know, I know one of the things that you're really well known for, and especially, you know, not just in Beverly Hills, but worldwide, is your approach to aesthetics of the face and your connection and relationships with many plastic and cosmetic surgeons, again, not just in Beverly Hills, but, you know, across the nation, around the world. And I'd really like to just spend a few minutes to remind our listeners on really the importance on that cosmetic point of view as as to, you know, really working with a team or understanding the team approach to you know, right. the ultimate facial rejuvenation. Right. So if we, if we can uh, talk great. about that, that would be great. Oh, you know, it's one of my favorite topics, you know, before the coronavirus kind of took our attention away from everything else that we were doing. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, this is one of my favorite topics, of course. We're going to be a little more lighthearted, but but it's still it's still possible. We're still going to, we're going to be moving back slowly, but definitely back to a near normalcy as we take control of, of the coronavirus. So let's move on from that. You know, before this happened, and, and thankfully for you, I know you put together uh, actually live meetings 
in which I've had the, the honor and the opportunity to lecture to a few times. And this is the greatest, uh, I think, uh, approach and benefit to patients is to have a multidisciplinary, meaning the different specialties in cosmetics, especially if we focus, just say, just on the face. You know, who takes care of the face aesthetically, cosmetically? If it's reconstruction or facial rejuvenation, it's a combination of the medical and dental community. Dentists take care of the teeth, the skeletal system like orthodontics and the, and the positions of the teeth, which has an impact, as you know, on the draping of the skin over that. So with the emphasis on rejuvenation of the lips, the face, facelifts, skin texture, all of that, uh, needs to be considered, as, as I do, as an artist, as a sculptor, and one who had an art major background in drawing and painting, I look at a face as a composition. And everybody's pretty unique, but we all have a similar, as human species, not uh, a dog or a horse, we have certain facial proportions, right? And I'll be talking about that uh, later today with another plastic surgeon on Instagram Live. I have created uh, with my foundation of learning from others an algorithm or a system for analyzing the face so that when a patient wants to have beautiful lips and they increase the size of their lips with fillers or fat, uh, then they diminish the appearance and the display of the teeth and all of a sudden they come to me and they want to have longer teeth. Well, there is a place for that, whether it's direct bonding or veneers, but if the lips are overinflated without the consideration of the length of the teeth, then you create a problem that wasn't there before. There's multiple procedures, as you probably know, of doing either a facelift or a lip lift or dental veneers or orthodontics or direct bonding. And all of these things can be a benefit or they can actually create another problem if it's not thought out well in the beginning. It's like being the architect of the face and having subcontractors. Somebody has to take control, look at that face, and say, yep, the teeth are fine, but the lip is too long because of aging. Or you have a gummy smile. You're showing too much gum tissue. Why is that? Is it because your upper jaw is too long skeletally, or is it because you have a short upper lip? Is it because you have a thin upper lip? Or is it because you have a hypermobile muscle in the upper lip causing it to raise too high, showing too much gum tissue. So all of these things need to be thought about, and I have an algorithm, and I have a sequence and protocol for diagnosing this so that when a patient goes to the dentist for veneers or they go to the plastic surgeon for what they heard that their friend had a lip lift, you know, it's, each procedure is specific to the specific patient that has a certain problem or need, and it's not for everybody. I may not need a lip lift, you might, or vice versa, I might not. I might need veneers and you might not. Well, who decides that? It has to have a team approach. It has to have a, a, a system of analysis where the diagnosis is accurate. And then we place in a sequence and who does what as far as what the patient's needs or wants are that would make them look better, feel better, and do it properly so we don't have to redo it. A lot of doctors, plastic surgeons and dentists, the things that we really don't like doing is having to retreat patients for a surgery or a dental procedure or veneers that were done incorrectly, inappropriately, and done without the complete comprehensive thought of how that patient could benefit, how they would look better. Not me, not you, but everybody as an individual. So, uh, you know, that's 
uh, a really important aspect. So when a patient goes to the dentist, you know, have them talk about their face. What are their complete goals? You know, maybe no treatment is, is the option. Maybe you should not even have the procedure done at all. Just because your friend has it doesn't mean that it's going to be a benefit for you. So I love the team approach, and that's why your uh, past meetings uh, that you have promoted and put together with such hard work, I believe has been a benefit. I've, I've learned, as you know, being a dentist and a member of a cosmetic surgery organization for over 20 years, uh, I've learned a lot about plastic surgery. So my, my mantra is right now, I, as a dentist, I want to be an expert in the possibilities and diagnosis of cosmetic surgery but not be a cosmetic surgeon. And I want my cosmetic surgeon colleagues to be an expert in what the dental cosmetic procedures are without being a cosmetic dentist. In that way, we have the full array, the full menu of what's possible to benefit the patient, to do the right thing in the right sequence, and not over-treat the patient and not have to redo a botched, so to speak, uh, procedure. You know, it's interesting because I know like the TV show Botched obviously has loads of people watching because people like to see those things. Um, but, but in reality, nobody wants or can afford to, you know, have bad cosmetic dentistry or bad cosmetic surgery, you know. Um, and so I think it is it, great that if you can work, you know, for, for patients to understand that working with that team will get them the best approach long term versus having to have a redo. And like you said, you know, dentists and doctors don't want to do that. But I do know that, you know, many of you do spend your time correcting work that that isn't satisfactory. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, exactly. And so and if there's a way you... around that, then that would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that even most surgeons or cosmetic therapists they want to do a good job, but as the old saying is, if all you know or all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If all you have been trained to do is do facelifts and lip lifts and dermatology, you don't know what the potentials of dentistry could be and vice versa. <clears throat> Patients come to look better. They trust us. It's, it's incumbent upon us to educate ourselves and, and one another, and this is what we're doing and this is what I love when you've invited me to your other people, to share with colleagues a team approach, educate one another. So when that patient comes in Monday morning, I say, yeah, I don't, I can, maybe this patient doesn't need this, or maybe they need this plus. Maybe they come not only for their lips, but for their teeth. And I've, I've done that too. I've done that for years where patients I know want to come to me to improve their smile, but their smile is not just their teeth. They think I'm a dentist, that quote means teeth, right? Equals teeth. No, smile equals teeth, gums, and lips, and the entire face, and do it in the right proportion. And so the education is the key, proper diagnosis is the key, and the ability to continually communicate as, as a group will make a better uh, treatment outcome for the patients and reduce the numbers of redos and retreatments. I, I'm, I'm such a big proponent, and I want to thank you again for seeing that importance by having the you've had in the past and will have in the future. Oh, absolutely. Now, as a, you know, our listeners on Aesthetic Insider Radio are, are a kind of a mix of, of patients and um, mm-hmm. physicians in many specialties. So, so just quickly, if we can, as a physician who is not a cosmetic dentist and 
you know, you say, you know, you have spoken at the various conferences around, uh, you know, across the nation in in aesthetics, um, and I, I don't know if if cause if uh, you know plastic surgeons are also speaking at cosmetic dentistry conventions and shows, but as a physician who is from either you know either a dentist or a, or a plastic surgeon you know how can they really educate themselves on the on the opposites um what would you recommend to other practitioners to really just in a nutshell learn more about about the opposite treatments for a patient great question i i think what you have done uh in going to these meetings whether they're virtual or whether they're live, and hopefully we'll go back to live meetings. There's nothing like the personal one-on-one uh, interaction, seeing a lecture, being able to have doctors question other doctors or the speakers on their techniques and learn from that. That is the best way. So a, a physician that's interested in learning about dentistry should either come to one of your meetings that you have had where a, a dentist like myself, which I've, mm-hmm. at this point, the, I believe the only one, but there there should be more uh, orthodontics and orthopedic surgery come to a meeting like I have as a dentist. I've gone to cosmetic surgery meetings. I've lectured to them, and I stayed a member. I stayed became a member because I wanted to know the full capability of what I could do to benefit my patients. I'm not going to do a facelift. I'm not going to do a lip lift. I'm not a surgeon, but I want to know about it. I know all the possibilities, so I became a member, attended those meetings. You know, there's meetings online as we go into a virtual world as well. You don't always have to travel to to France or anywhere else or Japan to, to attend this, or even in the United States. You can stay at home sometimes and follow that. But uh, I would say look up that what you want to know. You can find anything on Google. If I wanted to find a facelift or an eye lift or, or a blepharoplasty or a neck lift or anything like that, I could go online and learn about it. <clears throat> Education is the key. But attending a meeting... Okay, great. And then for patients... I mean, I guess it's the same, The same, isn't it? You know, there is so much education available. Like you can just Google something and, and find all types of webinars and seminars and, and different, you know, things taking place to to really educate yourself. And I think that at the end of the day, education is a key word here. Mm-hmm. And, your, and your show actually brings us to the public's awareness, and hopefully you not only get um, the public, to, to listen to your show, but also, which I think is one of the purposes of this show, is also to get uh, other professionals to listen as well and, and hear one another so that we can learn from each other and benefit the patients. Absolutely. And the show is growing. I mean, it's growing daily now. <laughs> We're getting so many more listens, which is wonderful, and more subscribers. And so, you know, it's, it's a good time for everybody. Well, Dr. Rifkin, I really, really appreciate you being on the show. And I think you know, everything that we've just talked about has been so insightful and so helpful to many of our listeners. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, again, that next show we, we should be planning soon. Um, so we'll have to chat about that offline. Honor. But, again, thank you okay. so much for being on Aesthetic Insider Radio. If there's anything you want to say on how our listeners can get in touch with you, um, please please let us know now, if you will. Oh, surely. Um, I can, uh, they can always reach me, and I, I, again, I appreciate being on the show and giving me a chance to, to learn and teach at the same time because uh, teaching is a matter of learning as well. Uh, but if patients want to get in touch with me, there's, also, there's always a virtual consultation, especially at this time, I time to, to respond and even do a, a visual if they haven't learned about a specific tooth. So they can follow me on my Instagram, which is Rifkin DDS. 
all lowercase, all no spaces, and Lawrence is spelled, spelled with a U, not a W. Um, and they can call me uh, at our office at 310-273-0200. My website is drlawrencerifkin.com. Again, it's all lowercase, D-R-L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E-R-I-F-K-I-N.com. And that's a great way. But follow, follow me on Instagram. You'll see Instagram live shows. You'll see some videos. You'll see before and afters. And you'll see a little bit of my approach to, to dentistry life and being positive. So thank you for the opportunity to share that. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Rifkin, once again, thank you so much for being a guest on Aesthetic Insider Radio. And I look forward to having you back on the show again soon. Angela, thank you so much, and I want everybody to go out there, smile, have a good day, and take care of themselves, and get some exercise. Take care of your immune system, and be positive. We'll get through this. Absolutely. We already are. All right. Stay well. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.